Wow. My heart's already encouraged. And we're going to continue our series this morning on uh, Jesus' last words. Jesus' last words with his disciples before he would end his ministry, before he would go and be arrested and crucified. Uh, his last words that he wanted to describe to his disciples. And so we're in John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter 14. It's found on page 847. If you're using the pew Bibles there provided today, we invite you to follow along. We want you to see Jesus' words for yourself. Don't just take our word for it, but see it with your own eyes. Page 847. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. So Jesus begins, and we'll see it in just a moment, but Jesus begins this passage with a statement that says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, we've seen leading up to this passage, we've seen that Jesus has been telling his disciples some things. He said, uh, you know what, I'm about to go away to a place that you can't follow me. They've been following Jesus for three years. And now he's saying, I'm going somewhere where you can't follow me any longer. And not only did he say that, but he said, one of you is going to betray me over to those who are seeking to kill me. I mean, what a statement. What a statement. What if I said, somebody in this room is going to betray me and hand me over to be killed? That'd be kind of like, well, who is this, right? Talk about feeling troubled. This is Jesus, the Lord of Lords. It's saying, one of you, my dear friends that's been with me, is going to betray me. Uh, Jesus also said, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be glorified. And they thought, oh, that sounds good. But he says, I, I'm going to be glorified being, being lifted up and hung on a cross. I'm going to lay down my life. That's a troubling statement. And just before we see in John chapter 14, and we saw it last week, Jesus told Peter, Peter, the one who was, of all the disciples, the boldest, the bravest, the one who was out in front all the time, leading the disciples as they all followed Jesus together. Jesus says, Peter, before this night's over, thank you, Chris, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny me three times. I mean, talk about troubling. Troubling to hear. What, Jesus, what are you saying? What's going to happen to us? And now you're telling us let not your hearts be troubled. And I'm so glad I came to this verse today because I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but this week my heart has been troubled. Well, it's been troubled for quite a long time. My heart has been heavy all week and I've been sitting at the feet of Jesus in this text and I want to invite you to just join me today as we circle up together and sit at Jesus' feet for a while because when I watch the news, my heart gets troubled. I mean, think about it. Just in the last 24 hours, we've seen that the Taliban has been making gains all throughout the country of Afghanistan, right? A terrorist organization. We've seen that there's a great earthquake in Haiti where dozens of people have lost their lives and more are injured. We saw just yesterday on the, the steps of City Hall in Los Angeles, California, that there was a, a, a protest that turned into uh, fighting and, and somebody was stabbed right there in front of City Hall in Los Angeles. Friends, this is just the last 24 hours. And we don't have to turn on the news. We could just start texting friends and calling friends and, and hearing news, even in this church of friends that are sick at home. And those of you that couldn't be here today watching online, we miss you. By the way, Pastor Paul, he's doing great. It was scheduled for him to have this week off. He's doing very well. He texted me earlier. He's on the road to recovery. Praise God for that. 
Well, yes, amen. But we're hearing of so many others in our church that are sick. We've got, we've got members in this church, dear saints, brothers and sisters in Jesus, who are sitting in hospital beds, lying in hospital beds right now. My heart is heavy today. My heart's been heavy all week. My heart feels troubled. And Jesus, he uses this word trouble. He says, let not your hearts be troubled in John 14, 1. That, that idea of troubled means stirred or jumbled up or shaken together unsettled, thrown into confusion. It's to cause great mental distress. Troubled in heart and troubled in mind. And if you saw the Olympics, you know that that was one of the major themes of it, mental health. We live in a day and age where it's easy to get troubled in our hearts and in our minds. So if you're like me today, and your heart may be troubled, let's gather together metaphorically speaking, let's circle up around and gather at Jesus' feet and let's listen to the master for a little bit who tells us, let not your hearts be troubled. So as we get prepared to sit at the feet of Jesus together, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you today and uh, I think by your good providence, this text was mapped out for this Sunday many, many months ago. But Father, as we've sung songs of hope, as we've sung songs of, of the eternal blessedness that we look forward to, we, we look at this text today, we're so thankful that we have these words from Jesus today. Would you help us as we gather around and circle around Jesus and, and sit at his feet with these disciples? Father, we want to know what is it that we can know about Jesus that says we don't have to have troubled hearts. Would you open our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts that we would behold wonderful things out of your law this morning. We trust that you'll give us that help, that power, that supernatural power to do it by the Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. John 14, 1 through 6. Follow along as I read aloud. Jesus says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will once again come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want a big idea today, something that you could wrap your minds around a little bit to take with you so that you don't forget what we hear from Jesus' words today, it's this. Here's our big idea. Jesus leads us home. Jesus leads us home. If there's anything that Jesus could start to say as he sees the trouble in his disciples' hearts, he's saying this, don't be troubled any longer. I'm leading you home. I'm leading you home. And today, if you come here with a troubled heart, cling to this today. Jesus leads us home. We'll take a look at three aspects of how Jesus describes this, and we'll jump right in here. Jesus leads us home. Well, how does he do that? First of all, trusting Jesus is the answer for troubled hearts who long for home. 
If you want to take notes, trusting Jesus is the answer for troubled hearts who long for home. Let's take a look at verse 1 again. Jesus says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, the wording there isn't super, super clear. You could say that Jesus is saying, You believe in God. You also believe in me, or believe in God and believe also in me. But the idea here is this. Jesus is saying, since you believe in God the Father, since you have been raised as good Jewish boys here sitting around me, trained in the law of Moses, trained in Torah, you know that the number one thing, the number one command is to trust and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love the God of Israel. And I'm telling you, you believe in that God. Therefore, Believe in me. This is an amazing statement, friends. You see, what Jesus is doing here is that he's claiming all the authority, all the power, and all the purpose of the Father. And he's saying, if you trust in him, you can trust in me as well. Just you've been, as you've been taught all your life to love and trust the God of Israel, trust me. Trust me, Jesus says. You know, I, as a dad, you know, as my kids were very little and they were starting to grow up and try some new and challenging and exciting things, you know, you think about it as, as maybe a parent or a grandparent and there's that, that little one and they're going over to the diving board at the swimming pool for the very first time and they may feel a little nervous about it and you're there in the water and you're saying, trust me. You're going to splash down safely. I'm going to grab a hold of you. I'm going to make sure your head comes back up to the air. But trust me. And over time, your kids, they may, they may feel like, you know what, I, I'm not quite sure that I, I'm ready to do this. But if mom and dad says, trust me, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to try it. Maybe you've experienced that. Jesus is there with his disciples and he's saying, I'm here to tell you today, don't be troubled. You believe in the God of Israel, then you could trust in me. All the authority that belongs to the God of Israel belongs to me. All the power that belongs to the God of Israel belongs to me. All the purpose that he has for your life is mine as well. You can trust in me. First thing Jesus is telling us here is that trusting in the Savior, trusting in him is the answer to a troubled heart that longs for home. I long for home today. I long for home. I, I, love, I love seeing my kids grow up. I'd love to see old age and retirement and to see my grandkids, maybe to the generation and generation and generation. But, but there's something about living in a troubled world that says, I long for home. And Jesus says, the key to a troubled heart today is saying, trust me. Trust me. Now, what's interesting here is that Jesus is saying, don't be troubled, trust in me. But we see twice, twice in verses preceding this that Jesus actually confesses that he has a troubled heart. Isn't that something? In John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled. He knew that he was transitioning away from a public ministry to many crowds. Now he's going just to a few, and he's just days, if not hours away from being arrested and being crucified. And he says, Now is my soul troubled. Interesting. Did you know that Jesus had a troubled soul? John 12, 27. Not only that, John also tells us what was going inside, on inside the heart of Jesus in John 13, 21. It says, Jesus was troubled in spirit. The exact same word. The exact same thing. 
Jesus is saying this. He's telling his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. But, but we see in verses before that that Jesus himself had a troubled heart. Is this a contradiction? Is this one of those instances where, you know, where you see, uh, you know, sometimes I'm not been the greatest parent and sometimes I'm like, hey, do as I say, but not necessarily as I do, right? Right? I'm teaching my son to drive right now. And sometimes I take a little bit of liberties. I say, you can't do that yet. I want you to follow the law to a T. Is that what Jesus is doing? Is he saying, you can't have a troubled heart. You've got to just go along thinking that everything's fine. But here I have a troubled heart. I don't think that's what's happening at all. No, Jesus is, is saying to his disciples here, look, you can trust in me. Do not have a troubled heart. I am going on a mission right now to the cross. I am going, I am going to take on the trouble that you are feeling here today. In fact, the greatest source of the trouble in your life, which is your sin and the resulting punishment, which is your death and your eternal separation from God, I'm about to take the step to the cross to bear all of that guilt, all of that fear, all of that shame. I'm taking on the trouble that you deserve for your sin. Therefore, since I'm taking it on, friend, you do not have to have a troubled heart here today. Jesus is telling his disciples, whatever trouble you may feel, cast them at my feet. Give them to me. I love verses. I love verses that says that we could call out to our Lord and he says, I will trade in. You give me your anxiety and I'll give you peace instead. We have in 1 Peter 5 where, where we see Peter says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. You see, he doesn't just make the trouble vanish. He says, I will take it upon myself. Jesus was about to be in the garden of Gethsemane. We see in just chapters later where he gets down and he's, he's praying and he's in agony and he's weeping. Why? Because he knew he was moments away from being on that cross where he would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, he went into the trouble so that we would never have to say those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has taken on our trouble. Jesus has taken on our trouble so that we can have our hearts comforted today. Whatever trouble you're going through, friend, Jesus' shoulders are broader than you could ever imagine. He says, cast them at my feet I'll bear them for you and I will exchange your trouble for peace today. Trusting Jesus is the answer for troubled hearts who long for home. I want to ask you, what trouble do you feel today? What trouble do you feel today? It's not Jesus' intention for you to live a life of fear, to live a life of doubt, to live a life of anxiety and worry. Now, let's not be naive here to say that we never feel those things. But when we feel them, Jesus is saying, come, give them to me. You don't have to be troubled any longer. What trouble do you feel today? Maybe it's concern over a, a loved one who may only have a few more days to live. Maybe it's a friend who's sick. Maybe it's someone in your own house. You're not sure. They're sick. Maybe it's someone that's, that's in the hospital with another type of injury. Maybe it's broader than that. Maybe it's, you know, the, the potential loss of a job, the loss of work. How am I going to get those bills paid? Maybe it's a relationship conflict that you've got with a spouse or a loved one, and the relationship is becoming increasingly more and more broken. 
Maybe it's as simple as, I cannot believe what's happening to the country that I grew up in. I can't believe what's happening to the state I grew up in. I can't believe what's happening to the world that I was born into. What is happening? Lord Jesus, my heart is in turmoil. My heart is troubled. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Let not your heart be troubled. I will take those troubles on for you. I give you hope. I give you peace. Friend, if you've been living in a state of Increasing trouble today. Maybe it's an indicator that it's time to renew your trust in Jesus. Here he is. He's already down in the water. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. I'm here for you. Will you trust the Savior today? We're just circling up, listening to the words of Jesus. Well, big idea is Jesus leads us home. And the first answer for a troubled heart is trusting Jesus when you long for home and you feel the trouble of living in this world, will you trust Jesus today? I hope we'll trust him together. Well, next thing that we see here and that Jesus leads us home is this. Jesus has made sure there's a room in the Father's house with your name on it. Yeah, amen. Jesus has made sure that there's a room in this Father's house with your name on it. Take a look at verse 3 again. Verses 2 and 3, excuse me. John 14, 2 and 3. It says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And this is awesome stuff. Now, now Jesus isn't saying, because we do know that, you know, he probably worked as a carpenter with his father, Joseph, right? And, and he was a craftsman and whatnot. But it doesn't say that Jesus is over there in heaven right now and he's he got his wood and his nails and his screwdriver and, and you know, hammer and all this and he's framing up a house right now. He's like, oh man, I better hurry up. I got a lot of people coming. I better, you know, do like this extreme, you know, house renovation type thing. No, no, no. If you see the words there, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. They're already there. Here's the problem, though. Because of our sin, because of our guilt, because of our rebellion against God and our disobedience to His commands, this beautiful dwelling place that God designed for you and me, for all of humanity to dwell with Him, it's vacant. It's vacant. He didn't kick us out. You know what we did? We walked out. We walked out because of our disobedience. And once we walked out, the door was slammed on us. And we could not come back in. We could not be clean enough. We could not be righteous enough. And we're cast into outer darkness because of our sin. That's the state that we're born into. And Jesus is saying, my father's house has many rooms. But the reason why I'm going is because what I'm doing right now is to make sure that there's a room with your name on it. I am going to prepare this place. And he makes it so personal. He doesn't say, oh yeah, there's vacancy sign. Anybody that wants to come, you know, I'll put out some flyers. If anyone, come on in. And he says, no, I'm going to prepare a place for you, John. A place for you, James. A place for you, Peter and Andrew. And for me, Matthew, today. And the Matthew that was there, the disciple. He's saying, I have a personal place for you, friend. For you. Wow. 
What a personal, loving Savior. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, what does this mean that he's going, right? Uh, he's, he said that many times. He said, I'm going. I, I'm leaving, and I'm going to a place where you cannot go. What does it mean that he's, he's going? Well, well, Jesus is talking about his going in the sense of, you guys are going to be left behind. You're going to be scattered, in fact. In fact, many of you are going to fail me right now. But what I'm doing is I'm going to a place beyond where you can go. I'm going to die a death that only I can die. I'm going to suffer a punishment that only I can suffer on your behalf. I'm going to do a work that humanity has needed since Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit. I'm going to a place that is going to restore the dwelling place for God and humanity together again. He says, I go. We've seen that Jesus has announced already that he's going. Where is he going? He's going to Golgotha, the place of the skull. He's going to Calvary for you and me. He's going to Calvary for the disciples so that he could go and die and prepare that place for them. The wages of sin is death. Death, the only way that it could happen to be allowed back into the Father's house and into the kingdom of Jesus was that he had to go and he had to die. But he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you And then he says, I'm going to come again and take you to myself. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. I'm going and I'm going to die. I don't know about you, all right? But, you know, uh, some of us put wills together so that our resources and our possessions can be dispersed to those we leave behind, right? After we die. But I don't know about you, I don't make any plans for what happens to me after I die, right? I get buried in the ground and that's about it, right? Not, it's like, it wouldn't be wise to plan a vacation after your expiration date. Doesn't make any sense. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place to you, meaning I'm going to go die. But then he says, but I've got plans after that. He says, I will come again and take you to myself. Friends, Jesus already knows in his mind that death will not hold him down. Death will not defeat him. He knows he's going to the cross, but he's got plans after that because he's going to be raised from the dead. He says, I will come again and I will take you to myself. Jesus is announcing that that death will not be his final destination. But he says, I'm going away for a while and I'm going to prepare a place for you. The house already exists, but the way was shut. The disciples were not qualified to enter into the Father's house, but Jesus was about to change all that. He was about to sacrifice himself. I delivered to you of first importance, the Apostle Paul says, that Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the work that he's done to prepare the place for you and for me and for all of his disciples and it gives us comfort today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus leads us home. He leads us home, friend. And not only that, but our Bible teaches us something that we don't talk about very often, something very significant. Not only did Jesus die, was buried, and raised from the dead, but he also ascended to heaven. When he ascended to heaven, he received the only title and the only name that was worthy of him, that he's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And because he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, he's going to come back to this troubled land, and he's going to bring peace to this earth. He's gone to prepare a place for us. 
He's not standing here right next to us now. We know he's present with us. He said he would be through the Holy Spirit. He's not standing here today. He's in heaven, and I I am sure he is awaiting the day. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen? But here's the reason why he did all that. Why he goes to prepare a place for us and all this stuff. It's not like he just says, here's the room. Hey, have a nice stay. I'll see you around. No, no, no. That room that he prepares for us with our name on it has a purpose. Listen to what he says again in verse 3. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I mean, talk about some comforting words. I mean, these these disciples, their hearts are troubled. Lord, you're you're going away from us. What are we going to do? And he says, don't worry. I'm going and I'm coming back again. So that where I am, you will be with me forever, forever. You see, this is the purpose for humanity. Our our faith is kind of a a holding pattern right now. We live by faith, but that's not the, uh, the original design and it's not the final destination. We live in this holding pattern of faith. Believing in someone we've never seen. Believing in someone we've never heard. But believing in someone that manifested himself in his son, Jesus Christ, who came and walked this earth and who died on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended again. And we believe in him because of the testimony of the apostles. But someday he's coming back. Someday he's going to stand right in our midst and every eye is going to see and every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord. And when he does that, we're going to be with him forever. We're going to be with him forever. I I don't know about you. I'll just be real candid with you. There's some days I get tired of faith. (laughs) I get tired of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God rewards those who display faith in him. So I'm not giving up my faith. But someday I say, oh, Lord, I can't wait for this faith to be over. And I could see my Lord by sight I could touch his hands. I could touch his side. I could bow down and worship at his feet. Someday, that is our destination, friends. We will see him face to face, and we will be with him forever. Listen to John 14, 23. God wants to live with you, friend. He wants to live with you. You may be the worst roommate in all the planet. I tell you, I I was so concerned about my roommates going to college. You know, are they going to be clean? Are they going to be messy, right? Are they going to just grab my stuff and take it? Or are they going to, you know, you know, leave my stuff alone, right? You wonder, who is this roommate going to be, right? Jesus is the perfect roommate, friend. And he says, I can't wait to live with you. John 14, 23, Jesus says this, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. I mean, we sang it this morning. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Not only that, he wants to dwell with you. He wants to make you his roommate. He wants to make his home with you. And he's done that now through the Spirit. But there comes a day when we will see Jesus face to face. And our address is going to have a permanent change forever. Listen to this blessed hope, the return of Jesus, to gather gather us to himself, to never be separated again. This is our blessed hope. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18. Paul himself says this, and he may have John 14 in mind. Don't forget the word of the Lord. He says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord 
that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And listen to this. And so we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. This is the hope for troubled hearts here today. Jesus is with his disciples. I'm going to take you to be with myself and you will be with me forever. Friends, that is our hope. If you're in Jesus today, whatever trouble may happen in this world, we've got brothers and sisters in Jesus all over in this globe that are in prison today for Jesus, that are possibly risking their lives today because of the cause of Jesus. But Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. You're going to be with me forever, forever. And so we come to this passage in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, and Paul says, we will meet the Lord. We will see him face to face, and we will be with him always. Now, many times we use these verses to debate, well, when is that going to happen? Is it going to happen this time, that time, after this, before that? Who knows what? But here's the purpose of this passage. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is what gives us courage today, friends. This is what gives hope to your heart today. However troubled you may feel today, Jesus is leading us home and we will be with him forever and ever and ever. Through his death on the cross for our sins, through his resurrection and ascension to heaven, Jesus has secured our place in heaven. He makes it so very personal. Despite the uh, foreseen failures of the disciples, despite their uncertainty, despite the suffering they would have to go through, despite their seeming defeat, Jesus made a place for them. And despite your failures today, despite your fear today, despite whatever uncertainty you may feel about your future or the future of your family and friends today, through Jesus through Jesus, you've got a room with your name on it in heaven. Man, we sang songs about heaven today. It it was amazing to me that a lot of these songs are way older than me. These are precious, cherished songs. I'm thinking, where are the modern songs about heaven today? This gives us hope. Oh, friends, I believe that we as God's people, sometimes we display troubled hearts because we don't talk about home enough. We don't talk about home enough. Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And he says, this is the source of your hope. This is the hope for troubled hearts. Friends, I think it's time we started talking about home a little bit more. You know, I I don't know about you, but I, I feel on a daily basis that this world feels less and less like my home. Amen? The cities where we live become increasingly dangerous. Our state, impoverished. Our country seems to have its ideologies just flipped upside down. God bless America, my home sweet home. Well, today it just doesn't feel very much like home anymore. My vote seems to have hardly little influence. And I'm not very old. I'm only 41 years old, but I know I've seen enough change in my lifetime to wonder is this place my home? I feel troubled in my heart. 
And if that's where our focus lies, if our focus lies on that, that little four little walls that we call home and, and how we can barely afford to live in it, amen? Right? And how this, this state and cities just seem to be turned upside down and this country seems to be going in directions that seem less and less like home. We have several options. We could either hang on to these anxieties and feel troubled and feel worried and feel frustrated and angry and fight with people and call them names and, and bicker with each other and divide over ideologies. Or we could listen to the words of Jesus that says, Let not your hearts be troubled. It may feel less and less like home here today, but I've got a room with your name on it in my Father's house. Let not your hearts be troubled. Friends, today, today the hope for our troubled hearts, and I'm not discouraging you, vote, do whatever it takes, okay, to stand up for what you believe is right. But if the vote doesn't go our way, our hearts do not need to be troubled. Nothing has changed in Jesus' economy today, friends. Jesus has a kingdom and he has a nation that will never leave us or forsake us. And he says, I'm coming back someday and you're going to be in that room with your name on it. Let's talk about heaven, friends. Let's talk about home. Jesus leads us home. Jesus leads us home. I want to ask you, do you have a room with your name on it? Do you have a room with your name on it? I hope you do today. In a crowd this size and those who may be watching online, inevitably there's somebody here today or watching today that does not have their ticket punched yet. They have not repented and turned from their sin and put their full trust and faith in Jesus. I want to let you know there's no greater hope in all this world for a troubled soul than to know I've got a place in the Father's house through Jesus. Well, Jesus leads us home. Thirdly and finally, Jesus has removed all the guesswork about how we can get home. Jesus has removed all the mystery. He's removed all the guesswork about how to get into that Father's house. Listen to this, John 14, back in our text again. John 14, verses 4 through 6. And Jesus says this, And you know the way to where I'm going. I almost get the sense where it's like dot, 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 right? It's like a Sunday school teacher, right? And he's got, he or she's got a group of kids, right? And the answer in, in you know, Sunday school for little kids, it's always Jesus, right? And you think it's like the b most basic answer. And he's waiting. He's like, and you know the way to where I'm going and how to get there, right? Sunday school, guys, come on. It's me. And I love what Thomas says in verse 5 because we can knock Thomas for his doubt all day, but sometimes he's the one that actually asks the questions that it's like, yeah, I kind of want to know what he's talking about too. Thomas says this in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas is thinking, man, Jesus is going somewhere. I don't know. I haven't even seen him start packing bags yet. Jesus, just tell us what city you're going to. Tell us the neighborhood. You know, are you going to another country? We got maps. We could pull out a map and figure out how to get there. But if you don't tell us where you're going, we can't know how to get there. Thomas, Thomas, you're forgetting. Jesus is going to prepare a place for you in the Father's house. That's not here. It's not a place you could see. And so Jesus makes one of the most provocative, and I would say in our day and age, controversial statements that you could ever read in all the Bible. Listen to the words of Jesus. Remember, we're huddling around Jesus this morning. Huddling around, Jesus, listen. I want to listen to your, your words for troubled hearts. He says this in verse 6. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way. 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, this is perhaps one of the most controversial and provocative statements for our day and age. These are the words of Jesus, friends. This isn't the word of the church. This isn't the word of a pastor in a pulpit. These are the words of Jesus. Now, this is unquestionably exclusive. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one. Now, if, you, if you've done, you know, grammar or logic, I mean, this is exclusion, right? There's no one comes to the Father. And if that was the, the only statement that he said, that would be a very sad and depressing statement. No one comes to the Father. But that's the state that all of humanity was in. No one comes to the Father. We're not qualified. We cannot. God is love, but he's just. And, and our sin and rebellion deserve that we be cast out forever into utter darkness and punishment for our sins. No one comes up to God's mountain. Who may dwell on the mountain of the Lord? Who may go there? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Raise your hand if you feel like all your life you had clean hands and a pure heart. No way. No one comes to the Father. But then Jesus says, accept this. One and one only exception. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, it's quite a statement. Quite a statement. Let's see how that measures up to the ideology of our day. You've heard various people debate is Christianity the only way to God? Well, let's, let's ask some leading voices of our times. Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi, uh, a revered religious teacher and one who did really good works for people, in fact. He says, all paths leading to God are equally good. All paths leading to God are equally good. I was reading some of his writings even this week, and he says, God has manifested himself in, in various, various ways, and they're all equally valid to get to him, whether through Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or Christianity, or he said even the atheists, if they pursue truth and rationalism, can lead to God in eternal bliss. Mahatma Gandhi would not agree with the words of Jesus. What about another great philosopher, that great Beatle John Legend, uh, John Lennon, excuse me. John Lennon said this, I believe that what Jesus and Muhammad and Buddha and all the rest said was right. It's just that the translations have gone wrong, right? They all had something valid to say, but humanity has kind of messed up the waters and, you know, murk, uh, made them murky. And so we've started to make these exclusive claims. So we've just got the translations wrong. But what all these different religious leaders have said are, are right. How about this? Another extremely leading voice in our day and age, Oprah Winfrey. She says this, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there is only one way. There are many diverse paths leading to what you call God. She's saying one of the biggest, most fundamental mistakes that we make as human beings is to limit an experience of God into only one way, one truth, and one life. Whatever you call God is valid as mine as is yours. And then, of course, the great, great, revered theologian, Homer Simpson, said, I'm going to die! Jesus, Allah, Buddha, I love you all. And that's just a sarcastic commentary on our way of thinking and our ideology. In case you don't know where to go, just cover as many as you can and hope that the chips fall in a pleasant place for you. 
This statement is not popular in our day and age. The exclusivity of the claims of Jesus. Now, we can think of it this way, and I think we've got an image for this of a mountain, I'm hoping, uh, with God at the top, with many different paths. There it is. Many different paths. And this is, this is the ideology, this is the theology that our world, many leading voices in our world would lead us to believe. You can't know anything for certain. In fact, one of the greatest values of our culture in our day and age is a value of what is called humility. It's intellectual humility to say, I know some things to be certain, but I can't know a lot of things to be certain. And I certainly can't know anything exhaustively. And I think there's some truth to that. But they would say is this, look, I'm only going with the data that I have and the perspective that I have. And, and you're going with the data you have and the perspective you have. And so I may be kind of right and you may be kind of right. and We may be both be kind of wrong but maybe somewhere we can meet in the middle, but I'm not going to dare say anything that is dogmatic. I'm not going to dare say anything that's exclusive. I'm not going to dare say anything that's absolute because what that does is it violates this so-called culture of humility to say, I don't know everything. And so what we have here isn't a culture of charity that we're loving each other and supporting each other. We're just all kind of backing off and say, "Eh, I hope you figure it out. Tell me if you find something that's interesting. And what this does for our culture, what this does for you and for me, what this does for those that we drive past on the freeway and our neighbors and friends and family, what it does is it says, I have no idea how to get to God. I have no idea. I have no idea if I've got a place in his eternal kingdom. I'm just hoping the chips fall in a pleasant place for me. We will see when I die. This is no hope, friends. This is not the hope of Jesus in this moment. No, let me give you another image. This is Jesus now, another mountain. And it shows this, one path to God. One path to God. And there are no other paths up this mountain. In fact, all the other paths, you don't see them. They're leading, they're dead ends. They're leading to other places, not toward God. It's not like God is saying, well, you gotta come to this road. Well, this road could lead to me, but you're not allowed to take that one. This road could lead to me too. You're not allowed to take that one. No, there is one road, one path to God. All other paths are are leading astray. All other paths are leading to foreign, false gods. They're not leading to the one true God of Israel who's revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Jesus has said, and we must listen to his words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the way. In fact, in John 10, he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the only way. He's the only door. He also says, I am the, not a, I am the truth. In fact, John says in John 1:14, and the word whose Jesus became flesh and dwell among us, and we've seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You want to know truth? You look to Jesus, friend. We don't listen to Oprah Winfrey. We don't listen to Homer Simpson or John Lennon or Mahatma Gandhi, right? We love them in the name of Jesus, but we listen to the voice of Jesus who says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the life. Listen to what John writes in 1 John, verses 1, 1 through 2. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. 
The life was made manifest and we've seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the, not a, the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to the truth. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only truth. Jesus is the only life. Maybe you think to yourself, well, Jesus was just getting a little bit, you know, radical, and maybe we've twisted, twisted his words to, to say something that he wasn't saying. Oh, no, Peter got the message very clearly. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, after Jesus has died, risen, and ascended back to heaven, he says this as he's preaching in Acts 4, 11 through 12. It says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is no, there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is an exclusive claim, friends. This is an exclusive claim. I do not have the right to say something different. We must trust the words of Jesus and his apostles that have been uh, passed on to us. The apostle Paul agreed. He said the same thing in 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God. There is one mediator between God and men. It's not the Virgin Mary. It's not the, the Pope. It's not the Buddha. It's not uh, the gods of Hinduism. It's not Allah or Muhammad or anyone else. It is Jesus Christ alone. So that's the sharp edge of this statement. But I think that we fail Jesus in this statement if we only look at the sharp edge of the exclusivity of his claim. You see, this statement isn't meant to exclude, but to include. This, this message that, that we proclaim that Jesus alone is the way and the truth and the life, it's not meant to be something where we're shutting the door on people, but in fact, it's an invitation. Jesus was inviting Thomas, saying, I want you there. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. All religious and non-religious paths outside Jesus are literally dead end, friends. They're dead ends. God is not shutting anyone out. Humanity's pursuit of home apart from Jesus is a form of running away from the one true God. But Jesus brings hope to our troubled hearts. He's taken the mystery, all the guesswork about how to get into God's household. In fact, he says, I'm inviting you home. I'm inviting you home. He's saying, I opened the way. I am the way. He has revealed the truth. And he says, I want to give abundant life. All the guesswork is gone. The way home is found in Jesus. We believe our Bibles. We believe the exclusive claims of Jesus, but we don't use these claims to exclude people, but to invite people to say, Jesus has said, and he is the only way, the truth, and the life. Why don't you come into the Father's house through him? This is our invitation. This is our invitation. The exclusivity of Jesus should not puff us up as followers of Jesus, as if we've found something special on our own. No, this truth should humble us that the way home has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. It should comfort us and motivate us to offer the invitation to the home of heaven to everyone we meet. You see, the most loving thing we could ever tell our troubled friends, our troubled relatives, our troubled neighbors and co-workers, and everyone that we meet is that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the only truth, and Jesus has invited you to come home because he is the life. 
We don't use this to divide and exclude. We do this to say, Jesus is inviting you home. Why don't you come through the door? He's the way you've been looking for. He's the truth you've been searching for. He's the life you've been longing for. Come to the Father through him. Jesus leads us home, friend. Today, if you've got a troubled heart, Jesus leads you home. He's saying, I I want you to trust me. I want you to know that I've got a, a room in the Father's house with your name on it. And I want you to know I've taken away all the mystery and all the guesswork about how to get there. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus leads us home. Have you had a troubled heart this week? Maybe you woke up this morning with a troubled heart. We've gathered together and we've listened to the words of Jesus. I hope that this brings comfort to your troubled heart today. I believe it did for the disciples. One final thing I want to do as we close. Because we don't talk about heaven and talk about home very much. We sang about it this morning. So refreshing. I want to give one lasting image of home to you. Jesus is leading us home. And I'm going to invite you, bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody's going to be looking at you. And I want you to meditate on this image of home that Jesus gives to us in Revelation through the Apostle John. Listen to what it says in in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. And remember, no matter how troubled your heart is today, if you're in Jesus, this is your destination. John writes in Revelation 21, 1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Jesus leads us home, friends. This is our destination for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ in heart and in behavior. So this week... As you may feel, continue to feel the circumstances of trouble in this world, I want to invite you to remember one phrase to remind yourself. Talk to your heart. Talk to yourself this week. Say this, when I feel troubled, I will remember that Jesus is leading me home. Make that a prayer right now in your heart silently. Say this, when I feel troubled, I will remember that Jesus is leading me home. Not only that, but we've got some brothers and sisters, even in this church that are hurting today. Maybe they need a phone call from you, a text message, maybe a visit, a knock on the door with some food or, or something just to leave with, there with them. And maybe you, it's your job today to call out to them and encourage them and remind them and encourage them that Jesus is leading us home. Today, talk about the glory of heaven. You can talk about the giants or A's later, but as you leave today, talk about the hope of heaven. It brings hope to troubled hearts encourage one another with these words. And finally, think of someone right now you know who's feeling the trouble of this broken world, who has not received Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. Pass on the invitation of Jesus to come home lovingly and boldly share with them that he alone is the way and the truth and the life. We've got the greatest message in the world. We invite troubled hearts home. 
in the name of Jesus. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this time. We thank you that we could circle up around Jesus and hear his word for troubled hearts. Father, I pray that our focus would be on heaven this morning, not just for ourselves and our own troubled hearts, but for the troubled heart of a brother or sister in Jesus who needs to be encouraged, called on the phone, loved in the name of Christ, even before we leave this building today to encourage one another with these words. And Father, each of us knows somebody that's out in this world that has a troubled heart here today. Help us, Father, bring the exclusive claim of Jesus not as a way to use as a weapon, but to use as an invitation to say, come to the way, the truth, and the life, and be saved. Would you go with us now as we're commissioned to go and represent Jesus and the hope that he brings to troubled hearts who long for home? It's in his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go with the hope of Jesus.